abruptly. <laughs> oh, thanks, serious. For, thanks for calling me out. We just did the email. You called me out. Dr. Bill, incomplete. Bring a book. <laughs> Screw you, man. I was trying to butter up Scott and Paul, and I had to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Just throw the, throw the comic relief guy under the bus. Yeah. I only have Paul editing things out of context and throwing the... Do you listen to the end of the episode? Some of these clips he puts in there? Or, oh, I feel a little gassy. You know, all kinds of... There's these random... I don't even remember saying this. It's cut together from, like, different words. Like, a... yeah. well, well, that's what I said in this last episode you know thing i'm like are you trying to make me say certain things so it's like sneakers and you can edit something together i'm like that's what i feel like around here you know bill where are you from i'm from new jersey uh you know <laughs> you know i'm like there's gonna be this cryptic thing you know hi my name is bill and i am an asshole you know that that's what I expect to hear coming out of the speaker one of these days i never said that it's so lifelike. How can we tell? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bill LMD. Yeah, I, I imagine Paul just sits there and edits out these. He's got this little file and he just saves <laughs> things I say. Because it's something different every time. <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <sighs> I, I'm sure that Paul has nothing else to do other than, <laughs> than find ways to torment you with this. So that's... <laughs> He must not, because I'll tell you, man, he, he edits, he like edit, edits all these shows and everything. I'll, I'll, I'll edit this one since I'm recording it. Back to the bin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earth Destruction Directive. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean, Earth Destruction? This is back to the bins. Yeah, but I'm on it. The only show I'm allowed on is Earth Destruction Directive, I thought. No, you're allowed on the other half of that James Bond show when it comes out, too. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess we got to do that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So, shall we try that again? Hello and welcome, everyone, to another episode of Back to the Bins. I am your never-on co-host, Mr. Luke Giaconetti, and I am joined here today by my very good friend, the man who makes going to Bush Gardens that much easier, my good friend, Dr. Bill Robinson. What? Because you live in Tampa. You could be oh, God, like, I wanted to go to, to Bush Gardens in oh, Tampa. Yeah, yeah. I went to the one in Virginia, now i got to go to the one in Tampa. Oh, that one's great up there. I love that one. I went there when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm a coaster guy, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they just added a bunch of them. But, uh, but once again, we've gone off tangent. Just gone off <laughs> tangent. Yes, welcome to Back to the Bins. Uh, it, it's, um, let's see if Paul's here. Paul, are you here? Hmm. Scott? <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> no Spataro and no Gardner this time around. We are mano y mano. That's kind of scary, as long as you're not Porky Pig in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which will be explained later. <laughs> Maybe at the end of the show. Oh, gosh. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, neither uh, Paul nor Scott are here. So, uh, 
it's it's a a rare pairing. I don't think we've ever done a show together before, have we? No, we've we've been on a a roundtable discussion. Yes, uh, but we have not been on a show just the, just the two of us. Just the two, two of us. us. We can make it if, if we, we try. try. Just the two of us. That's right. Nobody can tell me not to sing. <laughs> I'm just as bad at it. I had someone on Earth Destruction tell me to stop singing. And I said, never. I have my own co-host tell me to stop singing. <laughs> Although I've broken Paul. Paul now sings as well. Yes. And, well, I, and, and, and you can't blame me because, um, you know, uh, Doug Mensch, he, he made the story called Skyfall. Skyfall. I'm like, I'm sorry. It just wrote itself. <laughs> exactly. Got a mind of its own, sweetheart. I can't control it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, tonight things are going to be a little bit different. We were doing one comic book, and uh, I'm going to do a, a actual story that we'll be covering tonight. And um, so, do you have any um, new comic news on your horizons that you've gone at any cons or seen any comic movies or general comic bric-a-brac? The only I'm trying to think I, I've been I, I've been um, I've recently pretty much finished up my my run of the solo series for Hawkman of all of his solo series. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking at things like, well, you know, what do I want to get back into doing? So I've been getting back into buying Avengers because I've been trying to finish the run of Avengers volume one. And I'm, and uh, most of that's in essentials. But so I've been we've got two really good used bookstores here in the upstate of South Carolina. And they're, uh, for any listeners in the upstate of South Carolina, that's Mr. K's and Second and Charles. And I've got like a pile of trade credit at both. So I'll just go and pick up a bunch of Avengers comics for uh, the dollar or 50 cent bins for trade credit. You know, no idea if they're any good or not, but, you know, they're not on the list. You know, not on the list. That's the important part. <laughs> uh, oh, and I, d- I did find something in a, uh, in a discount bin that I thought might interest you. I found a uh, gold key Battle of the Planets. Comic. Ooh, yeah, and I think it might be Ooh, I think a gold key. Wow. Yeah, it's a gold key one. I think they might have only done one of them because it's 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 number one. So I don't. I think it's a one shot. Well, you had but, mentioned that in a message, and I had thought you had meant the because I think the imprint of DC did a Battle of the Planets. No, I was it. Maybe it was Wildstorm. Or did was a, it Wildstorm or Devils Do did a Battle? Yes. Yeah, some. Well, somebody did. Well, maybe there was another one because I remember about ooh, I want to say it was the same time that DC did the Space Ghost, um, like five issue miniseries, which was actually pretty cool. I don't know if you've ever read that. I have not. It kind of took. Oh, yeah, it was it was not the Jan and Jason. Uh, what was the monkey's name? Blip. Uh, I don't I don't remember. Wait a minute. Do I have my character? Jan and Jason. That's, that's not uh, the Wonder Twins, is it? No, that's Zan and Jaina. The Wonder Zan and Twins. Jaina. Yeah. Um, which for some reason I just remembered that the guy that played the voice of the kid on Space Ghost was the guy that was in Animal House. As uh, oh, oh, sorry, I'm tangenting on myself. I'm I'm losing myself. Tim Matherson, Matt Matherson, yeah. Tim Matherson, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I have no idea who played the girl. Don't ask me or who played the monkey. <laughs> but Gary Owens played Space Ghost. But no. <laughs> Uh, there was like a, it was kind of more on the adult side. Uh, they gave Space Ghost like a darker, Is that darker the way tone. Alex Ross did the cover? Yes, yes, yeah, thank okay. you. Okay, I do remember yes. that. I remember that from Wizard. That's how lame I am. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think there was a Battle of the Planet series somewhere around the same time frame. Yeah, because I, wa- I want to say I remember that Battle of the Planets coming out around the same time that, the reason I said Devil's Do was that Devil's Do brought back G.I. Joe. 
Mm-hmm. It was one of you know part of the, those '80s revivals, and then it was um, uh, Dreamwave at the point at that time started bringing back Transformers, like the Pat Lee Transformers books, where everybody was dull surprise. Yeah, in fact, I had when I visited, I think it's Dreamwave when I went up to Georgia and I got to meet up with Mike Bailey. He gave me a bunch of Transformers comics, which are pretty cool. I've been reading yeah. those. I just put it into the chat the uh, the the link. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, that that issue number one. So I guess it ran for five issues. The Battle of the Planets. From wow, that was nineteen seventy-nine. That's the one I got. I pulled it out of a out of a, a, a I think a fifty-cent bin. So I don't think that's a pretty good deal. So that's from Battle of the Planets, not from Gotchman. Yeah, it's Battle of the Planets. Yeah, not Gotchman. Oh, I did I say that wrong? <laughs> no, no, you, I, I'm, oh, okay. I said the exact same thing you said. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah that that whole whole series. I never I never knew that it was a transfer from Japan. Yeah, that, and that I. Things just didn't make. I might have mentioned this in the past on other shows before, so if I have, uh, tough. Um, uh, that why certain things. Oh, I know Gene and I talked about this on Anime Freaks. May not have made it into the show. Um, that if they why when they went to other planets they always looked uh, like Earth. But yet, <laughs> but yet the planet from a distance would be all red and weird looking. And then, but that's because the Gotchman show, everything took place on Earth, and it was like an eco terrorist group, is what Spectra was. And Zoltar, I guess, was a woman in the Gotchman show, whereas mm. in in Battle of Planets, he had a man's voice, and then they took his mask off, and he looked like a woman. Well, he always had those ruby lead, red, sexy looking lips. Come on, <laughs> I'm so confused watching Battle of the Planets. I learned it well, from that's you. Like, oh, sorry. I learned from watching you, <laughs> watching retail anime from you. So watching yeah, like a lot of uh, and of um, imports that that got changed. So, but yeah, and well, that, uh, hey, you know, one of the greatest misunderstandings in import uh, anime history. Do you know the the actual origin of how we ended up with the Voltron we ended up with? No, why? Which one? The uh, the, the, five? the lion. The Lions? The Lions Tron, yeah. Mm, no, I don't think Originally, so. the distributors of uh, the of Voltron, they had viewed a couple of... Uh, they worked a deal with Toei Animation, and they looked at sample episodes from several different uh, series, and they said, oh, we want the one with the Lions. And the one that they wanted was Daltanius, but Toei sent them Go Lion instead. Hmm. They said, oh, the one with the Lions, Go Lion, okay. They actually wanted the other Lion show. <laughs> The one with Dal- Daltanius, he, if I remember right, he's got a big, like, he looks kind of like Predaking. He's got like, a big lion head on his chest and stuff. Hmm. So they got Go Lion instead, which is the five lions. Or Yeah, and it's like, holy crap, that worked out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> we can sell toys and everything. Yeah. It's like, wait, there's five of them, and they combine. This is brilliant. Why didn't we think of this? <laughs> well, well, then what's the 20-car Voltron? Vehicle it, Voltron. That, is that a separate... Yeah, Voltron was, a... was yeah, Voltron was like uh was like uh, Robotech. They took three different shows. Right. And yeah, made different took, robots out they of they it. They took yeah. Matt Cross uh... I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know for Matt Cross. I I I've yeah. tried to watch that one, but so, I I always Matt Cross, really Southern Cross and um yeah, the Invids storyline and stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah. it, you know, gee, at least when, uh, what was it, Jim Terry Productions, when they did Force 5, they just kept them as five separate shows. and just aired them once a week, one each mm. day. We'll save all this because this is good stuff for when we get you on <laughs> Anime Freaks, hopefully mm. soon. But for years, I thought that uh, Gachamon Battle of the Planets was kind of a riff on Jetman, 
the Super Sentai, and then I realized that it predated Jetman by all, like ten years, and I'm like, mm. all my illusions have been shattered. <laughs> <laughs> I think. But yeah, that's about it. I'm trying to think of any. I picked up anything else neat. I've been picking up a lot of. I don't know if. Uh, see, it's it's funny because a lot of times on on podcasts and stuff, I hear people lumping '90s image in with '90s Valiant as just crap. And there was a point when Valiant became crap. Uh, it was called Birthquake, but pretty much all, pretty much everything before that, for the most part, is good. And I'm, I mean, I've been I've pulled I think like eight parts of Unity out of a fifty cent bin, and I'm so I'm so torn because in one sense it's like hell yeah I've got Unity and I can actually read this for fifty cents a piece, and it's like yeah, but Unity's in the fifty cent bin. Oh, is Valiant the one that had the Deathmate series? Deathmate was the crossover between Valiant and Image. Oh, okay. All right. And it was only and 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 that was it wasn't even all of Image or all of basically it's because Jim it was Jim Lee and one of the guys at Valiant were pals and they said let's do a crossover. Well, wasn't there like issues like the gold issue, the black issue? Yeah, the way that Deathmate worked was there was six issues. There was a prologue, then there were four standalone one shots that could be read in any order that were uh, done by color, and then there was an epilogue. And the idea was that Valiant would publish three of them. And Image would publish three of them. The three Valiant books, which were the Prologue, uh, Blue, and Gold, or Blue and Yellow, I think, all came out on time. Mm-hmm. The three Image ones all shipped incredibly late, to the point where the one that Rob Liefeld did, which was Deathmate Red, actually shipped after the epilogue. <laughs> hmm. and, uh, and, I mean, um, um, Bob Layton was, I think he was the editor-in-chief of Valiant during this. For the pages that Rob Liefeld had to do for the Deathmate prologue, he actually flew to Rob Liefeld's house and sat on his doorstep and forced him to finish doing the pages and then went and inked them in a hotel room. Wow. But but Valiant, you know, they did, they they had the gold key characters. They had um, uh, Magnus Robot Fighter, Dark Exo- Solar. They yeah. did Exo Man of War. They did Archer and Armstrong, the Eternal Warrior, uh, and at Rye. And these books were all really, really good, but everybody forgets about them because when Valiant eventually crashed, they were just so overpublished that you could find their stuff clogging back issue bins. But these early, early Valiants are fantastic. Well, what, so did did they come out mid nineties or? Because I'm trying to think why I I missed I missed they the were Valiant they book. were more towards the early nineties. Hmm. Like I'm trying to remember because let's see uh, when did you I mean because I want to say because it was like ninety two ninety three was when, I think Unity was in 93. Unity was their big, for those who don't know, oh, okay, Unity was 1992. Unity was their big first crossover. And it was this, it crossed over, it ran for two months. Unity number zero was given away for free. And then it crossed over into all the titles for two months. And then it ended in Unity number one. And it was this big, massive time travel saga. Hmm. You know, and it's and it's really good. The cool thing about it is, let's say you were only reading Exo Manowar. You could read the two issues of Exo Manowar, and it's still, because it was dealing with time travel and stuff, it didn't take you out of the overall narrative of Exo Manowar, but if you read it with the other parts of Unity, it made sense with the other parts of Unity. Oh, okay. All it's right. actually, I mean, it's really cool. So I found a bunch of, I found a bunch of old Archer and Armstrong, Eternal Warrior, and see, the new Valiant is finally gaining some traction. Uh, I know the, the Humble Bundle people did a Valiant Humble Bundle not too long ago, and a lot of people got on. It's like, holy crap, this Valiant stuff's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I know. I'm reading it. Uh, so that's, so like I said, just so, it's mixed emotions for me because it's cool to find some of these books that I've been hunting for for years, but at the same time, it's like finding them in a 50-cent bin kind of like, oh, man. 
<laughs> it's like, come on, people. There's good stuff waiting to be found. Just look. Or listen to a show like Back to the Bins and you find this shit out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I think I missed out on it because there was a, a few years that my comic collecting got really interrupted and uh, when I was in the Navy. So it was um, kind of hard to keep up on certain things and have space to have books with me. Yeah. And, and, and so I was... I didn't really take anything on new. I was just sticking with my stalwart, you know, the stuff I normally got. And um, <laughs> I I remember I was uh, on a deployment for six months. And before I left, I had given the comic book store like a deposit of like 150 bucks. And, um, you know, I said, here, this will be for my books for the next six months. Well, I guess there was a lot more stuff that came out. So like four months in into the deployment, I get a letter in, in uh, the mail, which takes a long time to get there, yeah. <laughs> and it says, hey, uh, you're almost out of money. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? So I had to write a check and send them more money. <laughs> and uh, when I got back, they had um, – I had two, uh, two or three, um, uh, like, old – of course, you know, uh, back when I was young, they had paper bags at the grocery store. <laughs> And so, we used to take her to make book covers for our textbooks. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. We loved it. I remember that well. And and um, But I, I, I had like three paper bags, but they were like really tall paper bags, about maybe like the the regular height and a half. And it was – I had three of those and it was filled to the top. And that was my books for like – because we were, I was gone for like seven months and there had been like a lot of crossovers, and I'd mark down, yeah, this, if this comes out, this, this, this. <laughs> so I spent, I don't know how much time because I got back off deployment, then I just sat there with those three big freaking, <laughs> just took one off the top, started reading. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I wasn't doing any Valiant back then or really that much image. I The only real image I dipped my toe into and stayed in was Wildcats. Yeah. I happened to pick up. Um, was it Gen 13 or Danger Girl? No, it was Gen 13. And then for some reason, that thing went crazy and I sold them yeah. all back. You know, I paid, well, back then it was probably a buck fifty, two dollars Yeah. I sold each one of those for 20 bucks a pop. That was when, yeah, J. Scott Campbell just went, blew up all, like, overnight. I remember that. Yeah. So I remember that was, it was J. Scott Campbell doing that and then he did Danger Girl and it was like, you know, again, this was the 90s. Every month in Wizard, oh, J. Scott Campbell, J. Scott Campbell. It was like, yeah, sell it. <laughs> yeah sell those 13 variant covers to gen 13 number one yes yes i'll sell them <laughs> oh yeah yeah that was it was I remember, it, who was it rainmaker was not rainmaker it was a girl freefall yeah uh, uh the girl dressed as uh, freefall in the pose of uma thurman on the pulp fiction one sheet was the one variant cover to gen 13 number one I'll always remember mm. <laughs> Never read the book. I have no idea who these characters are, but I remember that cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't remember anything about Gen 13. I just – I remember – I mean because as soon as they came out and the price went sky high, I went like, ah, sold. I, I remember the redhead girl. Red-haired girl was Fairchild. Okay, yeah. All right. The that... purple hair was Freefall. The uh, girl with dark hair who turned out to be a lesbian was Rainmaker. And the big guy was named Grunge. And that's literally all I know. And then the – the bat, the, the the evil team of them was called the Deviate or the Deviates, and their book was called Deviate. I remember that. Okay. Never read any of this crap. <laughs> the only image I ever read, I read Spawn for a while. Oh yeah. I, I loved Shadowhawk. I still do. Everybody dumps on Shadowhawk. Shadowhawk was the one image book that was an actual indie. 
because Jim Valentino had actual legit indie cred and did an indie superhero book, and it was it's great. It's 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 nothing like the other image books. I think I had a bunch of number ones, and I've still got. I think I still have a Shadowhawk no, number one with like the silver cover. Yeah, it's black with silver foil. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I had Deathblow as two. Uh, uh, or, yeah, it just it just laughs. <laughs> Who got the last Deathblow? <laughs> I had Deathblow, and I sold that because that that thing went 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 crazy. That was a foil cover too, wasn't it? Uh, mine I think was red and black. I don't remember it being a foil cover. I thought it was black with like a red foil on it. Well, it might have been. Wasn't there also Shaman Tears? Was that an image? Shaman Tears was Mike Grell, yeah. Yep, yep. Shaman Tears, yeah. Oh, yeah, back in the day. All those image books that came out. I got like the number ones and then I didn't really stick with them. Except for Wildcats, there was something about it that I liked that I stayed with. Even for all its different iterations. I eventually dropped uh, Spawn, but I stayed with Shadowhawk until basically until Valentino left the book. But that was and uh, and I followed the different revivals of it over the years. I I really like Shadowhawk. That's just the thing that was always interesting about Shadowhawk was that he came out like I said early '90s, so vigilantes and antiheroes was all the rage. Everybody was doing it. So Shadowhawk, in a lot of ways, was like that. He was this really violent vigilante, but he would instead of killing his, his the people he fought he would cripple them by breaking their spines and the the twist was is that unlike a lot of the books coming out for especially from marvel with with you know really violent uh, vigilantes is that everyone reacted with revulsion and disgust you know he wasn't and he was you know he was a maniac and he was treated as such they brought in the savage dragon in the first miniseries to basically bring him in like a wild dog so mm. You know, it, it, it played with the idea that of, okay, so you've got this guy dressed in a suit of metal running around the streets of Manhattan, you know, maiming people. What does that actually mean? You know, it wasn't like, oh, he's so cool. It's like, no, he's a, he's friggin' nuts. <laughs> no, he's bananas, you know. he's you know, So it's always like that. I thought it was it was interesting to show that there's actual repercussions to violence. Mm-hmm. You know? Not just, okay, I blew that guy up. Who am I fighting next month, you know? So, but that, but again, that was, it was 1992 and, you know, and that's, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it was high art, but I friggin' loved it. I still do. Got the trading cards and everything. I think a, another, uh, vigilante comic that I remember was actually a few years later. I want to say it was 94, 95 was when Dark Horse was putting out X. Yeah. That was uh, comics greatest world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember X. That was pretty neat too. He had like the leather, um, mask on mm-hmm. um with like an it was like one eye ripped out or like sewn up it was it, it was really really weird it was asymmetrical i remember that yeah yeah which is usually something you don't really see especially as a in a quote-unquote hero right so there was some interesting stuff in comics greatest world they did some interesting things because i remember that one the gimmick with that was it was a it was a month it was a weekly series and every week they would put out, I think, four books, and all four of those books each took place in a different city in the universe. And so there was there was one that was like uh, the, the the high tech city, and one that was like the gritty, grimy, shadowy Gotham City type city, you know. And so you got a, a basically introduced to the people that populated each city each week. Hmm. And so you know that that's what I remember anyway. And and then each those all tied to get like the four would have some connective tissue between them. I, I remember, again, that was something I, I didn't read a lot of that, but I remember that. I remember thinking it was a neat way to build up the universe fairly quickly. Right. 
that's what everybody did. You know, Shag's doing an Ultraverse. He's part of an Ultraverse network. And that was the first thing he said, oh, Ultraverse. Kind of like the Valiant Universe, only not as interesting. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I jumped into Ultraverse 2 that came out from Malibu. I that See, that came after I was out of the service. And, and, and I did, I did uh, where they sucked me in was where they crossed over the Avengers with yeah. uh, Ultra Force. Right. And when when that was going on, so, but uh, well, I think think you're our new '90s expert. No, Bailey still has me. Beat. <laughs> oh, that's um, true. Yeah, but I, the thing is, um, it's like art. You know, I don't know much, but I know what I like. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. I, I I'll stick to my top my title as uh, you know Bronze Age monster comic expert. <laughs> so if you're talking Shogun Warriors or Marvel Godzilla. You're a man. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> well, I try to stay. I've done one. We've done one monster comic at least. And I think well, I did, you did a, You guys did a Marvel Godzilla. Yeah, I yeah I I did that one. Uh, that was where you got shrunk down to miniature yep. size. So, but uh, yeah, we try not to do too many books that other guys cover on uh, other shows, just so we don't like step on toes. But uh, you know, every now and then we'll dip our toe in there because we usually have a different take on it. Yeah. Well, you know, like like uh, I'm. I'm, I'm in the back half now of Shogun Warriors over on Earth Destruction Directive. And that book ran for 20 issues. But then um, a, a couple of years after it ended, Doug Mensch was the writer on Fantastic Four. And there's an issue of Fantastic Four that serves as an epilogue to, to Shogun Warriors, where the three pilots come back and, and you know, it kind of ties up all the loose ends, right? So I'm going to do a Fantastic Four issue. I said, oh, geez, I probably should talk to Stephen Lacey and Andrew Leyland. Mm-hmm. fantastic cast and see if they want to come on and we can just do it then and then in like 10 years when they get to it <laughs> they don't have to do it yeah. go, please go to this show thank you <laughs> it's like hello steven here if you want to listen to fantastic four 226 please go listen to earth destruction directive number watch and and that will tell you our review we shall be continuing on to fantastic four number 227 thank so, you and music start now so piss off <laughs> <laughs> i i i i you know, I love uh, I love Stephen's accent. I, when I, I I appeared on that show and I was listening to it just to hear how the edit sounded, and my wife says like, "Oh, you're on the with two different British guys with two different accents. It's so fancy, <laughs> so fancy." <laughs> hey, honey, they make you even sound intelligent. <laughs> Thank you. Like, hey, hey, I resembled every more. I, I love when I have to do like a transaction through like a British website. They make you do it in pounds. It's so it's like a James Bond movie. It's like ooh, <laughs> ten pounds. <laughs> now I don't know if we've had this discussion or if I've heard it somewhere else. There was an Avengers issue that has I think it's Red Ronin in it. Yeah, that's but Red Ronin's not a Shogun warrior. Red Ronin is not a Shogun. That's right. And, okay. Yeah, he Red Ronin was from uh, Marvel Godzilla. Right. Okay. He never showed up in Shogun Wars, which is weird because. I understand. You know, the re- I, it, it, it makes sense that they can't cross over the you know Godzilla and the Shoguns because everybody held different rights with those. But Marvel owned Red Ronin, you know, and Doctor Demonicus started in Godzilla and showed up in Shogun. So I don't know why Red Ronin never showed up with them. So were you going to plan to cover that Avengers issue by I any chance? I, 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 you know, because I, I hadn't dug into my research for marvel godzilla yet but you know and i gotta see if i have that avengers issue because like there's issues of iron man that deal with dr demonicus that you know involve the monster that was godzilla 
mm. where Demonicus mutates him into like have a horn and stuff. And I don't know if I'm going to cover that or not. So I don't. I gotta. I guess I gotta figure that out. Hmm. Being a that could be an Avenger spotlight. It's like well, yeah. monsters that we no longer have the license to. <laughs> and we could do um, we could do an Avengers uh, spotlight Earth Destruction Directive crossover. <laughs> yeah, that was Avengers. That'll drive the ratings up. What? <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> that was at least one of them was. Uh, let's see. Let me look at. Was in one ninety seven. Is it's in one ninety seven where it's a prelude. And he's in 198, and he is in, looks like he's in 199 as well. Hmm. So, yeah, there was, like, at least two. Oh, and this is George Perez, too, I think. Uh, George Perez drawing Red Ronin. That'd probably be pretty cool. Yeah, well, let, we should do this. We should get on this. <laughs> Better Red than Ronin. <laughs> that apparently is the name of the story. <laughs> Which? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Oh, man. And then uh, 199 is Last Stand on Long Island. <laughs> last Stand at the Spataro household. <laughs> Get off my lawn! Hey, guys, guys, come on, come on. I just, Get I out just had the hedges done. <laughs> come on. Don't step on my dog. He's old. Like oh. me. Oh, what's up, boy? Oh, you, oh. you can't defend yourself. <laughs> How's it feel? Second. Please send all mail to bins at, at gmail.com. Oh, at uh, bins at two truefreaks.com. <laughs> ah, well. Do you have any comic news since I've rambled on about the 90s for 20 minutes? No, no. Pretty much uh, I was all cut up with the last episode we did that's uh, going to come out. I just had picked up um, a bunch of Avengers books to fill up holes in stuff. Cause like my, uh, my LCS Yancey street, they offer um, every now and then they clear out their back issue bins with uh, if it's nine ninety nine or below it's, it's a dollar. So that's how I buy all, all my new. Yeah. That, I, I don't mean to sound like a minion, but what? <laughs> what? Those guys are so popular. I oh, can't yeah. I, I went to a minion party earlier this year. A kid had a minion birthday party. Oh yeah, I would be. Well, like, there, well, there's a prequel movie coming out now. For, yes. for, for that, I'm sure you know more. More. They minions. have a theme park ride out in in California, I think. Oh wow. The minion mayhem or whatever. Hmm. What is up with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, but... it's funny. I don't know if this qualifies as. Uh, I I don't know what this qualifies as, but I have a friend of mine, and I had said that the minions reminded me of him because he because he wears glasses, a lot of them wear glasses, and the way that he laughed reminded me of the way the minions laugh, right? Mm -hmm. And so I said this, I said this to my other friend, my friend Adam, I said, oh yeah, you know, the minions, they make me think of Joe. And he goes, why? Is that because they're yellow and he's Korean? I'm like, no, no, that's not what I <laughs> And he has one eye, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're such a racist. I'm like, I'm not a racist, no. I'm a racist. <laughs> you're such a minionist. <laughs> it's doctor you anti-dentite bastard <laughs> uh, Dennis who needs him I want the blacks and the Jews I'm quoting Seinfeld I'm quoting Seinfeld people look it up <laughs> so anyway yeah they have uh, $9.99 and under is a dollar that's then, fantastic uh, well yeah for the whole month of 
basically the whole month of October, each weekend they would start something new and it would build. Like they'd have T-shirts, you know, uh, you know, ten bucks a piece, blah blah blah. Statues, this that, and they just added on. And so when they got to ha- Halloween, everything was basically on sale. And they they do that every couple months, basically to clear out the back issue bin. So usually I jump on it. That's how I get my new Avengers comics because I ain't paying four dollars for a comic. No way. Yeah, yeah, I, I won't comment on that on four dollars. Yeah. Oh, we've beaten that horse to death. That got me in trouble on the on the Facebook group, so I won't say anything. Right. But right. Uh, like you see, the I would. Why? Why should? Never mind. We don't want to get into it. No, no. no. What, what, let me say about as far as modern Avenger books. I was a dutiful, loyal Avengers reader from volume three because I, I I got it. I got into reading Iron Man: The Avengers right before the crossing. So <laughs> right, right towards the end, right. So uh, and so I so I was there for Heroes Reborn and then Heroes Return, which was freaking fantastic, mm-hmm. right. And I and I read that, you know, and I, I didn't keep up with it all the time, but I generally read Avengers all the way through that, through the Jeff Johns run, and then um, who came on after him? Chuck Austin came on after Jeff Johns with the yep. stuff with the Invaders, and then uh, and poor poor New Invaders because if New Invaders had launched out of New Avengers instead of launching out of the just plain old Avengers, the book would probably still be running, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and then into Avengers Disassembled, and I didn't, I did not like Avengers Disassembled at all. But no, like, eh, Disassemble eh. Avengers. Oh, sorry, it's, <laughs> that's Johnny Five. Sorry, <laughs> Johnny Five or the Horda, you make the call. Uh, so no kill I, no disassemble I, no disassemble I. The chamber, so I- the pain, the chamber <laughs> of the ages. Sorry, Johnny Five. Is alive. alive. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a dutiful, loyal Avengers reader. So I read it along, and I read New Avengers. And New Avengers, when it was actually just the first New Avengers, was the most frustrating book because one month it'd be really good, and then the next month it would be wow, this sucks. And it finally got to the point when they were doing the build up to Civil War that. All of the issues where they were the solo issues showing why each member was going to go join which you know which side of the debate, and they were all terrible. They were all just awful. I remember I was I was living by myself in an apartment in and uh, and I'm sitting on my bed one night reading the one about I think it was the Century, what? and it was like the I fourth mean, were, one in a row. What you you weren't in a van down by the river? Living in a van down by the river. I am thrice divorced. No, I, I was living by myself in a, in a one-bedroom apartment in in Greenville, South Carolina, across the street from a Pizza Hut and a Publix. But uh, I feel like I'm at a crossroads, and there's an IHOP on one corner and a Denny's on the other. Uh, but uh, I remember just sitting there reading this book, and like, wow, this really sucks. I mean, just really sucks. The Captain America issue sucked. The Luke Cage issue was one of the worst Luke Cage comics I've ever read. And I've got same name syndrome. So I've got almost a complete run of, of uh, Luke Cage, uh, Hero for Hire, slash Power Man, slash Power Man and Iron Fist. The Iron Man one was god-awful, and the Sentry one was terrible. I just had an epiphany. I said, the hell with this. So I was subscribing through Marvel at that time. I called him the next day and canceled it. And I haven't regularly bought an Avengers book since. Hmm. And it's just like that. This—they're not recognizable to me anymore as Avengers. It used to be a big deal when somebody left the team or somebody joined the team. That was big friggin' deal. Now it's like, oh, it's Tuesday, you know. And there's so many teams now. Who can keep? Everybody's a freaking Avenger now. Yeah, there's that's that's one of my beefs. So I mean, you know, so people may 
write in or just say now saying, well, then why do you keep buying them, Bill? Well, like I said, I'm not buying them for $4 a piece anymore. Yeah, if you can get them for a buck. And my OCD, much like you with same name character, <laughs> I'm buying every Avengers book yeah. that, that I can when it's on sale in a back issue because I've got so much. I mean, the bulk. It, well, I mean, you've heard me before. I mean, I only need like four issues yeah. to finish volume one. Four physical right. issues, and you're not cheating like me. You've got them with singles. I've got yeah, they're I mean, all singles. I mean, I've got I've got all nine volumes whatever of essentials. I'm cheating on half the damn series. <laughs> so I mean, I'm in, baby. <laughs> I'm so, out there and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> A lot of Seinfeld on tonight's show for some reason. <laughs> and you want to be my Avengers salesman? <laughs> I'm just trying to get this stuff built. <laughs> stay safe. Stay- Say Steve Rogers Industries. Steve Rogers Industries. <laughs> You're way off. This is a residence. <laughs> I thought you were watching a video. It was a video about making sausage. Oh, your name was Mulva. Oh, <laughs> oh I know. Dolores. Oh, oh, that's what it is. Dolores. Mulva? Mulva? Dolores. <laughs> yeah. Go watch Seinfeld. Oh. I'm sorry, Kramer, we're going to have to let you go. But I don't really work here. That's what makes this so difficult. I like the one where he was uh, um, oiling himself up with butter. <laughs> and going out to the suntan. Yeah. <laughs> Cooks himself. <laughs> Cooks himself. <laughs> Smelled like a turkey. Uh, oh, now, I, now I want a sandwich. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Although I do say I did bring this book with me. Maybe we should talk about that book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we can get 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 to that. We've rambled on enough. <laughs> All right. So, so you've you've got our actually you've got our one book. I've got <laughs> well, again, just like your letter last week. Yeah. I didn't bring a book. Oh, I just call it like it is, man. You know. <laughs> I'm keeping it real. <laughs> I shaved my head and everything. I'm keeping it real. Well, before we jump into the book, we're going to jump Let's into... Read, why don't we read my emails to the show? There's so many of them. Well, we, I can probably just, read them really well. We just read those. We read the last <laughs> issue. We, we, are, we, are, we are actually all cut up in the email. We do not have any... Uh, I mean, if you'd like to read one of your emails... Maybe we should read one of your emails. I could do a dramatic reading of my own email. So, so I could read butt things or something. <laughs> Like, bring a book. <laughs> I'm just saying it's all. I was on the road. I, I feel like Ross from Friends. We were on a break. <laughs> We've moved from Seinfeld to Friends. We're keeping it on NBC <laughs> Thursday night. <so> please. <laughs> Must see TV. <laughs> oh, stay tuned. Later this year for Must See TV Monthly Mondays. Only on two true uh, oh, there's a new email. Sorry. Okay. You all right there? Yeah. It's like, oh, new email. The phone book is here. The phone book is here. Doc, it was a million to one shot. but <laughs> Things are going to start happening to me now. Sorry. Now I've gone back to the jerk. <laughs> all right. Let's go to a promo. Oh, we'll be God. right back after these messages. We'll be right, be right back. This is Tokyo. 
once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. back hey you know we didn't get a lot of you we get a lot of everybody that comes on the show a hey, uh arnold la la uh, la 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 there, there uh, we go what good is a sword against sorcery <laughs> i remember that email <laughs> that's my favorite arnold line of all time i always loved it as a kid we used to watch conan the destroyer pretty much every week what <laughs> good is a sword against sorcery <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about I brought this. I don't know what show I brought brought this up on. Uh, you heard about the new Arnold movie coming out? Uh, no, I have not. There's an Arnold movie. Oh, I can't remember the name now. He's got a teenage daughter that's turning into a zombie, uh, <laughs> and he has to. It's how he deals with it or whatever. Also, I guess he's going to be in the new Terminator movie as an old Terminator. I'm like, no. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, no. It makes more sense if they did it the way the book series was that I read it, that was based off of the Terminator 2 storyline where they had Sarah Connor meets up with the guy, the actual human yeah. that the model was based off of. Wasn't, he that was like a deleted, a, wasn't that like a deleted scene in Terminator 3? I don't know where, about that. Are, well, I, I could have sworn it was not, not that, but not with Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor, but uh, <laughs> where they're, they're um, not, I keep wanting to say Cyberdyne. Is that right? Yeah. Cyberdyne? I'm, oh, I'm thinking OCP is RoboCop. Yeah. Cyberdyne, where they're having a meeting, and the guy's presenting, and it's Arnold, but he's got, like, a southern accent. Oh. And then the guy turns to him, and, the, and Arnold dubs the guy's voice, we can fix the voice, you know? <laughs> I think that, yeah, there was, like, a deleted scene like that, yeah. But there was there was a there was a book series that dealt with, um, and it, it ignored the T3 thing. It followed the T2 sto- storyline. Yeah. And uh, basically, she teams up with the guy whose body is going to be the model for the for the T eight hundreds. Yeah. And you know, first time she sees him, she's like, oh, like she meets him down in South America or something, and she's like, oh, it's a Terminator. Then she realizes that it's a, that it's a human. So, but uh, but but this is not a Terminator Sarah Connor podcast. And all I know is if you know what if James Cameron had gone with his original ending, we wouldn't be having any of these discussions. <laughs> For Terminator 2, just saying. Which was, that was where I, because I read the book for that, and I remember in the book, 
there was a there was a scene that I think Con- John Connor becomes a senator. John Connor becomes a senator. That's right. Yeah. Judgment never happens. Judgment Day never happened. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, it's so, it changed and oh, the future is fluid. Blah 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 blah. Yakety yak. There's no fate except the one we make for ourselves. I don't know why my Eddie Furlong sounds like Ren from Ren and Stimpy, but there you go. <laughs> you idiot! We have to stop Judgment Day. <laughs> Judgment Day. Press the button. The shiny red button. The candy light button. I don't know about this, Ren. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, Ren. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Ren. He is a good man. He's not all there in the head. I've known fellers like that. (laughs) I'm not a dog, Ren. I'm a cat. (laughs) My two favorite characters from that are the walrus and, and the horse. <laughs> Mr. Horse. <laughs> Mr. Horse, what did you think about that fall? Hmm. No, sir? <laughs> oh, no way. You you can't go straight in the no, sir. You got to go, hmm. Hmm. No, sir? What? Didn't like it. I like it. <laughs> and, and then he crawls away in pain. <laughs> oh. Ah. Oh, I the 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 pro wrestling bit from there with Mad Dog Hoek and Killer Kadugan. <laughs> Mad Dog Hoek and Killer Kadugan. It's the flying butt pliers. <laughs> Save my baby. <laughs> Save my walrus. <laughs> what are the chances of a fire? A million to one. <laughs> Someday I I want the world to behold the magic of my nipples. <laughs> oh. Good evening, sir. May I interest you in some nipples? <laughs> Don't forget to fill your dad's boots with coleslaw. And then what is it? The horse comes to the door and he's got the he's got the big giant suction cuff on the top of the walrus's head. Yeah. And he holds the walrus out and the walrus goes, Call the police. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. <laughs> That's a Burl Ives line, though. I told you I'd shoot, but they didn't believe me. <laughs> Why didn't you believe me? <laughs> a rolls downstairs and loader. <laughs> It's log. It's, log. it's log. it's the log. Civil War Doctor playset. <laughs> it's better than bad. It's good. <laughs> Another great Spumco product. <laughs> oh, it, isn't that Blamo? Blamo. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't whiz on the electric fence. Oh, then say, hey, you fellas whizzed on the electric fence, didn't you? <laughs> George Licker, American. <laughs> Oh, God, George Licker. <laughs> uh, why they put his name on the screen? Because they were afraid people were going to think it was George Licker, L-I-C-K, you know, apostrophe E-R. Back to the bids has gone way off the rails. <laughs> I Tara's going to have my head on a platter for that. <laughs> or more, more appropriately, you, because I'm a guest. I mean, I... <laughs> They're going to kill me. <laughs> This may be the last show I'm on. That Jack and Eddie guy is never back on here. The kid is out of the picture. And you, LMD, the next three episodes. 
You're banned. <laughs> Put, stick his ass in the bathroom. <laughs> you're dead to me, Robinson. You, your family, your dog, your cat, you're dead. <laughs> Not your son. Your son is cool. But the rest of you. <laughs> <sighs> All right, just do the okay. <laughs> So for Marvel Comics this week, I have brought... Sound like Snagglepuss. <laughs> from Marvel Comics this week, it's a wonderful, funny book. A four-color delight. A comic book, even. It's got supervillains. <laughs> it's got supervillains. And they're teaming up. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> I have brought from Marvel Comics Group, Super Villain Team Up number 12, which was cover dated June 1997, on sale March 1st, 1977. It was not cover dated 1997. Cover dated 1977. Oh my God! Uh, thanks to Mike at Mike's Amazing World, DCIndexes.com for the information on this. Uh, our cover is freaking awesome. It's mm. about uh, it's uh, Doctor Doom and the Sinister Red Skull, and now the Savage Showdown between the two greatest masters of menace, Death Duel. As we see Doctor Doom standing his ground as uh, very close to Space Hitler. Space Red Skull zooming on a rocket sled, wearing a uh, a, sp- a clear plastic space helmet, firing a cannon at Doctor Doom. This mm-hmm. this is kind of friggin' awesome right here. It's uh, it looks like it's Dave Cockrum too. Um, that's what yeah, I, that's the cover credits. Dave Cockrum and Al Milgram. Yeah, that's friggin' awesome. And Doom's Doom's like ah uh, yeah, his uh, like his cape is all shredded. He looks kind of like Secret Wars Doom a little bit here. With oh the, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, the cape. Which I thought, and he's got a big gun. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. Um, what's uh, now? What's funny is the reason why I picked this book is I ha- I'm not uh, my last name's not Rockefeller or Gardner, so I can't afford an iPad. Okay, but I have I have an HP Touchpad, which is sort of like a knockoff iPad that HP gave up on a week after the week they were released. But it does have a really good comics reader on here. Now the comics, it's called Comic Shelf, is the name of the comics reader. And when you're in Comic Shelf, you bring up the menu, and with one touch, you can email an image to someone, or you can set that image as your wallpaper. Now, my two sons, who are too young to be playing with my tablet, but do so anyway, love bringing up the comics and then just flipping through the list of them and bringing up comics and then looking at the picture and closing it. Well, they were doing that, and they brought the cover to Supervillain T.O. number 12 and somehow set it as the wallpaper. Hmm. So it's been the wallpaper on my tablet for like six months. So I've been looking at this picture of the Red Skull of Doctor Doom fighting in space. And it's like, you know, I probably should read this book. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's what I did. So that's the book I brought. And uh, so let's get let's get into it. Our Let's see. It's written by boisterous Bill Mantlow. Art is battling Bob Hall. Inker is Whirlin Don Perlin. Letterer. Ty- and Whirlin has a question mark after it. So even... Uh, Amable, affable, and artful editor Archie Goodwin didn't really think much of that. Letterer is Titanic Tom Orr's colorist, genuine George Russos. I didn't realize George Russos was still doing work for Marvel at this point. And then, as I said, Archie Goodwin is the editor. Our story starts in Latveria, but quickly shifts to outer space as Doctor Doom and the Shroud launch on a uh, a Doom one of Doom's space shuttles that looks kind of like the Spin Drift from Land of the Giants, only it's green. And they're going into space because there's a satellite out in space that will 
when fired by the Red Skull, will brainwash everybody on Earth and start a new Fourth Reich. So Doom is not cool with that because, first off, it's his satellite, and obviously he wants people to worship him, not the Red Skull. So him and Shroud are going out into space. Obviously, and, that's not the satellite of love. No, it's not the satellite of love. It's more like the... It's kind of the opposite of the satellite of love, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, back on Earth, it, it appears that uh, Doom has allied himself with Captain America and his usual partner in this book, uh, the Submariner. And Namor is really not in this book at all. He's on like two and a half page, one and a half pages, and that's it, pretty much. Uh, and even Cap is not really in here either. Cap and Doom jaw at each other a little bit, and Doom gets tired and says, Bah, I will bear no further insults from you, Avenger! And turns the screen off. <laughs> click. And, click. Anytime you can start a sentence with, Bah! You know. <laughs> So, uh, Doom's plan is he's going to drop Shroud off at the satellite and wait for it to come around so he can try and sabotage the satellite so that it won't fire. And then Doom is going to continue on to the moon base of the Red Skull, because as we all know, Nazis hang out in space very often. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Doom's spin drift blasts off towards uh, the moon, and he prepares himself to fight against the Red Skull. And on the moon, we see the Red Skull getting fitted with his uh, really nice Nazi space pants. Yeah, his little red booties. The little red booties that his uh, his his little flunky there is putting on him. And he looks uh, so sad. <laughs> I used to be able to put on his gloves. <laughs> <laughs> this is not as cool as my buddy who works for for Modoc. I hear they get dental. <laughs> so they put on his space pants and space booties, and uh, the Red Skull uh, fills us in on some backstory of how he got to this. How you know a guy who's pretty much a Nazi now has a moon base. Um, and it, it says that he, I love that he, he uh, figured out how to do this, how to incorporate his scheme of world conquest while losing to Captain America and the Falcon mm-hmm. in, a, in an earlier story. It's like, I'm, I'm losing this fight, but <laughs> maybe, I I can, maybe I can figure something out how to do this. I will end in the end. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Was that supposed to be German? Yeah, I will be in the end. What, 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 what was I Swedish? Maybe I don't know. The you Swedish wonder, skull. Swedish skull. It's what's his name from Blackhawks? Read Googly Googly. Yumpin Yimini. Yumpin Yimini. I am the Red Skull. So what the Red Skull does is he buys a bunch of Doom's weapons on the black market and then pulls. Like, uh, um, like, what's his name? Raza tried to do in the first Iron Man movie and reverse engineered Doom's weapons from buying a bunch of them and having his Nazi scientists work on them. And so uh, he then goes to Latveria and shrinks Dr. Doom and Captain America down to tiny size. So he's Dr. Shrinker now. Dr. Shrinker, but apparently only works for one issue because <laughs> uh, that's it was 1977 and that's how, how things worked, right? Dr. Doom gets shrunk down to being tiny an awful lot. Didn't that happen in the Fantastic Four in a burn issue also? Uh, well, there was everybody got shrunk down, and I think he um, went into the town itself. Uh, yeah, his like little he, town. He shrunk them, but I think that was in one of the old books, too. Maybe they did it twice, because I seem to remember something about that. But my, I, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not an expert on that, but... Uh, so, so that only lasts a while, and so Skull figures, well, they're they're not tiny anymore, so I better go back to my moon base and fire my satellite of hate. And uh, <laughs> proving that he is, of course, a Marvel bad guy, he decides that he will kill his own men because uh, poor Wilhelm 
question whether this plan was going to work, so he kills him with the gas from his cigarette holder and uh, the red gas that makes Wilhelm's head a skull. I forget what that gas is called. Franz, put on some music for Wilhelm to ponder. Chopin's funeral march, yeah. <laughs> Such a suitable piece full of mourning for the dead. Americana. The funeral march isn't that. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, candle mass played such an awesome version of. I totally want the candle mass fusion version of the funeral march at my funeral, and that that's going in the will. I don't, you know. But anyway, so uh, doc, so Doctor Doom continues his approach, and Red Skull launches some uh, missiles because uh, missiles work in space, right? And uh, sure. the 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 spin drift has no. Uh, weapons on it because it's his fast ship so Doom tries to avoid the missiles instead and ends up crashing his ship into a lunar ridge and having to escape in just his armor which is a good thing that his armor is like Iron Man's armor and can be sealed up and uh, function in space now that's not me being facetious that's actually well established <laughs> for Dr. Doom so Red Skull puts on the rest of his Nazi space uniform which makes him look kind of like the stilt man with a giant red and black swastika right on the front <laughs> Doesn't he look kind of like... <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I was thinking earlier that it looked like something and I couldn't place it, but yeah, he looks like Stilt Man. Yeah. <laughs> Stilt Man with a big glass dome over his head and a swastika. He looks so... like Dr. Evil from the Austin Powers movie. <laughs> the second... Now that I think about it, yeah. You were expecting someone else? <laughs> and uh, so Doom lands on the lunar surface and the Red Skull comes at him with a rocket sled which looks freaking awesome. Rocket sled, gonna kill Dr. Doom on the moon. <laughs> I'm a rocket sled! <laughs> and uh, so they, they charge at each other, and uh, Doom fires back with his uh, weapons and his gauntlets, and uh, Red Skull ends up... He, Red Skull has picked the battle the battlefield wisely because he has seeded it with uh, electronic probes that, uh, in the lunar surface that are actually stun mines that blow up and uh, knock Dr. Doom out and damage his armor a little bit. And uh, so they keep on fighting. And meanwhile, back at the Satellite of Hate, Shroud is tired of sitting there essentially waiting for the thing to float to him. So he throws his Magnarang. Magnarang, Magnarang. It's a magnet, it's a, it's a rang. And uh, <laughs> pulls himself into the satellite. And as soon as he, he... He reminds us that he's blind, but his mystic senses show him the wiring grid and apparently his mystic senses also gave him an advanced degree in electronics uh so he's gonna he's gonna screw around with it and locate the key circuit because as i remember from my you know electronic engineering classes the key circuit is clearly labeled on all circuit boards so you know, sabotage this one and uh, i think but, he's been watching uh car 54 <laughs> doom where are you <laughs> Because as soon as he attempts to sabotage it, uh, the satellite uh, detects his uh, interference and spins around and takes aim, and the power is building up. He can feel it as it gets ready to uh, to fire at Earth. So back on the moon, the two despots are still fighting each other, and uh, Skull comes around for another pass on his rocket slide, and Doom flips a ionic blade out of that's, his... That's a keyhole saw, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looks like. Just... I've used that at work. I'm like, that's a keyhole saw. I'm going to cut some drywall now. <laughs> it's the doom saw. 
because and uh, and the great dialogue here is he cuts through the the bottom of the rocket sled. No, Liebergott, what are you doing? Fear for lesser men's skull, never for doom. Now this maneuver, I swear I've seen this in like a movie or some other comic book, like just ripping the guts out of something as it jumps over. Yeah, it uh, does seem real familiar. Yeah, and I but but I can't place. Well, you it, but... know that was kind of in Pacific Rim. They do that to. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Danger does it with the sword to I forget which monster when they're going to the to the rift. Yeah, maybe that's where. It's, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. And so with the uh, with the rocket sled damaged, the skull crashes and bails out, and um, and Doom, of course, as he suspected, his pale skull's pale imitation of his force field could not protect the underside of his craft because, as we all know, force fields don't work on the bottom of things. No. Any schoolchild knows that. So. Uh, then uh, the skull crashes and lands into some of his own mines, and that damages his spacesuit and puts little cracks in his uh, helmet. And Doom closes in for the kill. Um, then back at the satellite of hate, Captain America is flying in. Uh, I don't know what this thing looks like. It looks like Ed Roth designed a spaceship. Is what this thing looks like. It needs like Cap sitting out the top with bug eyes and the shifter. You know. <laughs> Cap Fink, I guess you could call him. I don't know. Um, so he goes and he pick and the Cap Captain America goes and finds Shroud drifting in space and picks him up um, with a tractor beam because you know it's apparently an Imperial ship. And uh, <laughs> and then some panels are out of order as Cap examines Shroud. And yeah, uh, he's got his mask off. Next one, he's got it. Let me put this mask back on. Wait, let me take this mask well, off. If you read the dialogue, it actually is out of order because. The second word balloon in the second panel ends with the dash, oh, and yeah. that gets picked up in the first panel. So those are actually out of order. So they must have been cut up and moved around for some reason. Um, so first, I'm going to get Shroud to a hospital, and then if Doom hasn't destroyed you, I will, Madman. I will, because kill, you know all the atrocities that the Red Skulls committed over the years. Really, nothing compared to him cause in it, you know, indirectly causing Shroud to get hurt. Captain America's longtime close friend and ally, the Shroud. So, anyway, back on the moon, uh, Doom uh, bitch slaps the Red Skull and sends him flying. And so Skull pulls out his own ionic blade, which looks nothing like the one that Dr. Doom pulled out. And they start tussling once again, and uh, Skull zaps Doom in the armor and causes a leak in Doom's armor. So what Doom does is he freezes the oxygen that is flowing out of his armor to stop the leak. Your love is like oxygen. Oh, so, so the Red Skull does a Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. That's not an ionic knife. That's an ionic <laughs> No, sir, that's a spoon. I see you've played knifey spoony before. And, uh, and Deathblow makes an appearance here as uh, Dr. Doom says, I'm left with but one free arm to stop the skull's Deathblow. Who got the last Deathblow? And uh, so they, they keep fighting, and uh, Doom eventually... Now, this ionic blade can, as I said, shoot lasers. So Doom directs uh, the arm of the Red Skull towards an outcropping of rocks, which get blasted, and then the skull is buried under the lunar rock slide. And Doom kicks away the ionic blade and claims victory. Skull has a ace up his sleeve as his, uh, you know, very slow-moving men in spacesuits arrive to uh, overwhelm Doom in sheer numbers. Now it's... the lackeys that I earlier killed one of will come in hell with me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, because <laughs> Doom then uses the power of Saruman's voice 
and says, hear me, your master is defeated. Will you join him in death? And they say, no, <laughs> we are yours to command. And they immediately leave. And the, again, Red Skull doesn't have dental. If nothing else, Latveria has good insurance. So, <laughs> so uh, they all, they go with Dr. Doom back to the moon base. And uh, Doom takes Red Skull's shuttle, leaving the Red Skull stranded on the moon forever, never to be seen again. Except, uh, I guess, when the X-Men fight the Imperial Guard in the Dark Phoenix saga. And uh, the Doom tells his newly found former Fourth Reich lackeys, plot a course for Latveria, Helmsman. Doom will sleep and do not disturb my dream, my rest, for my dreams will be of peace. What is he, Clytus from Flash Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> And that is the end of our story. And wow, this this was this was something else, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I love this. I'm not, oh, no, I'm not this was fan freaking tastic. <laughs> yeah, I have not this was the first issue of Supervillain Team Up I've ever read. I've never read any of these, don't have any in my collection. So this was this was fun, and uh, I might have to go get some more of these if I can find or just you know keep an eye out for them. I have the essential. Never cracked the spine on it. It's sitting on the pile of other essentials <laughs> upstairs that I haven't read. But uh, again, just I, I had, like I said, one, once I stopped, I looked at this cover for so long. And I said, you know, Dr. Doom and the Red Skull fighting on the moon. That's got to be pretty good. And then Bill Mantlow wrote it. I said, yeah, this ought to be fun. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed this. Like I said, the weird thing is that normally you think Supervillain team up is Doom and Namor, like I said, but Namor's barely in this. This is really... But this isn't really team-up. This is a supervillain fight. Yeah, supervillain fighty-fighty run-run, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, this is is really more like a Doom solo strip than anything else. Yeah. You know, Marvel always wanted to have a Doctor Doom solo strip. This is how I would have done it, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) God, the Red Skull's got a big head some of these shit. (laughs) (laughs) He really does. Huge! It's that big, you know? (laughs) Well, is it actually a skull at this point, or is it still a mask? I don't know. I think it's a mask because it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, he's got a bigger head than Namor. <laughs> and I can't get over like it's it's uh it's pa- the page five with him sitting in like the the space recliner with his Nazi <laughs> pants on. It's like it's like if Jack Kirby designed a reclining chair is what this looks like. That does look like a Kirby ch- and. It's like a Kirby craftomatic, a Kirby matic. The, the Kirby matic nine thousand. <laughs> It's you know it's got intricate moving panels on it and everything and you know like the footrest looks like you could adjust it to different heights. It's got a, like a, a swivel. He's got some comfy little headrest there, and he does kind of look Kirby-ish in the drawing itself. Yeah, his of face. The Red Skull. Yeah, his face a lot looks like the Jack Kirby Red Skull quite a bit. And that's such a sad looking assistant. <laughs> it's like oh god, his feet stink. Oh, god. I can't wait to get this boot on. Yeah. <laughs> but I better not say anything because they'll kill me if I tell him his feet stink. And I, I hate to steal a bit from Thank You for Smoking, but is it a good idea to be smoking in an oxygen-rich environment like that? Poof! <laughs> well, I mean, like I said in one episode a while ago that uh, a buddy of mine was on a submarine, and he used to tell me that when they went when they went under the water, um, they changed the ratio of the oxygen to nitrogen, so there's not enough well, then how could well you know then he couldn't even smoke a cigarette because that was a problem they didn't have an open flame to even light a cigarette yeah to help prevent a fire on on a sub so you could have had an electric uh, well cigarette. yeah they did say that they would like go up by heaters and stuff and they that was the only way that they could light a cigarette yeah so yeah maybe he's got a little uh little, you know little torch there little zap zap 
It's built into the cigarette lighter along it's, with it's, the deadly gas. Yeah, it's an e-cig. I like the the uh, an e-cig. So it's, <laughs> That's what he was. He's vaping. Yeah, he's vaping. Yeah, it's his, uh, we are we are our vaping technology is light years ahead of yours. He's he's Trentus <laughs> Magnus. Hey everybody, Red Skull here. <laughs> But the panel above that, it's like uh, it's like Doom. It's almost like a romance thing. You've got yeah. Doom, Doom looking out, and there's this disembodied floating yeah. face of the Red Skull reflected on the window. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize the Shroud went this far back in Avengers, um, um, or you know, had crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was more familiar with him with West Coast Avengers. And some of the stuff we just covered on Avengers Spotlight with the Under Siege storyline and his own miniseries in the in the 80s. I didn't know he went back into the 70s. I want to say, and, and I'm not sure about this, that I, I think he was featured a lot in this series. Like, he was hmm. kind of the protagonist of the series, you know, because because you had, you know, Doctor Doom and Namor trying to overthrow the world. So he was kind of the hero that dealt with them a lot. But I don't know that for a fact. But uh, yeah, because I I didn't remember. I was like, who is this? And it finally says Shroud. I'm like, the Shroud? Yeah, really? Because his costume is even a little different. So I, I, I thought I thought it was Paladin. Is who I thought that's it was. That's kind of what I thought too. And yeah. then, but I'm like, well, wait a minute. His eyes are covered. And it says the Shroud. Wait a minute. But but <laughs> it's but the whole space Paladin, but they say it's the Shroud. But... <laughs> the whole space suit was throwing me off because you can't see his whole costume. It's just you know just that. Yeah. And then I was confused with. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Who's the guy on the stretcher? That they're carrying away. Yeah. <laughs> on the second page, it looks like Doom. And it, oh, okay, I see. That's Crown Prince Rodolfo. I forgot he had. I didn't realize he had full Doom armor. But I guess apparently it didn't do him any good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, this is from the era when the when Namor no longer had the big S belt. He just always little, loved that. He's got the little well, it, clamp it didn't even, belt. It wasn't even an N for his name. It was his title, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the only one with a cooler belt buckle was Galactus. Yeah. Because I'm capital G. <laughs> what up, G? Galactus into his house. And I'm going to eat it. But uh... <laughs> Oh, you're no fun. He eats everything. I am the last time I'm inviting him to a freaking party. The guy eats everything. <laughs> he is no fun at Twister. <laughs> you know, you know what it's like to clean up the house after Fin Fang Foom and Galactus play play Twister. Hey, I'm, Goom. I'm done. And then Goom comes in, freaking drools all over the place. He's got no teeth. Hey, everybody. This is Goom saying. This is Goom. <laughs> oh, I love when the Red Skull is buying up all the. Uh, the, the Doctor Doom stuff. His disguise, I'm going to wear a hat and put a scarf in front of half of my face. <laughs> well, I mean, it might be the Red Skull, but his I couldn't see his chin, so I'm not have sure. a nondescript English guy with a bowler and a big suitcase <laughs> of money and another guy handing him an envelope marked secret <laughs> with some little tiny yellow pencil sharpener on the desk for no <laughs> apparent reason. I'm like, what? What is that? <laughs> Like you know, that's the. Did you notice there's a big picture of Doctor Doom behind the red skull yes. in his disguise? It's a Latverian embassy. He strolled into the Latverian embassy in his masterful disguise of a green green trench coat, a scarf, and a hat with a red head. 
No, but... He looks like a Christmas decoration. <laughs> it's the elf on the shelf again. The Red Skull, elf on the shelf oh. edition. Fine, I see you! But... Fine, Merry Christmas, Sveinholt! Oh, man. So, and then wait a minute. So, all right. So then he shrinks them down. Okay. Then shrinking doom and the captain to six inches tall. My plan was perfect. I thought, wait, suddenly I am Doris. And the submariner. He said, well, defeated our plan. And Rodolfo, hoping to destroy me, actually teleported me away? What the f- I pressed the wrong button, you know. It's, Damn. I it's, it's like, it's like, in, it's like uh, what's your name's chip in uh, Attack of the Clones. You know, one button does a lot of things. <laughs> you're never quite sure if it's going to turn on the communicator or turn on the high beams, flush the toilet. You're not know what you're going to get. So. so it takes an hour to reprogram the hypno ray to respond to commands from my moon base. Wow, that's... Uh... Nice electronics, I guess. I like how all, all time in this is in 15-minute intervals. <laughs> yes. Because it, it takes him an hour to do this, and so Doom has to travel to the moon. That takes 30 minutes. Captain America comes by, and he, it takes him 45 minutes. <laughs> Everything's in, in quarter-hour intervals. That's it's, I get They're like billing for the government. Well, what'd you do for 15, these 15 minutes? I did this. For these 15 minutes, I did this. You know? <laughs> I love and, how the missiles, when they take off from the base... Oh, that's... He's in the Doom Ship, by the way. That's what he called it when he was talking to Captain America. The Doom yeah, Ship. The Doom Ship. Just like the Doom... It still looks like the spin drift a little bit to me, but... The Doom <laughs> the Doom Keyhole Saw, the, the Doom everything. But I, I love those missiles come up and make a 90-degree turn. Like, what, what, what are they? Tron missiles? Yeah. They need that the little the music. do 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 <laughs> At first, when Doom seals his armor, because you know the way that he does, it, he says, "It looks like he's blind." It looks I like can't he's blind. see. Like Bob Hall forgot to draw eyes on him. But no, he's like, "I have to seal my armor." Activate now. This whole sequence with him sealing the armor, then jumping out of the crashing thing to avoid missiles, it's like, "Wow, it's 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 every issue of Iron Man from the '70s." Also, cool. <laughs> and flying around with jets on him, it's like this really is like Iron Man. Uh, as much as I do think that the Skull's spacesuit looks like Stiltman, it is pretty neat, though. Yeah. Oh, it does because it's it's really it's got a lot of panels and stuff. Again, it looks kind of Kirby-ish with panels and lines all over it, and again a big swastika right in the front, just in case you forgot the Red Skull was a Nazi. So the Red Skull beat the movie Iron Sky to the moon, I guess. Yes. <laughs> the Space Hitler routine. He's got it down hit down pat here. This is in the seventies. Which I I just saw today. On I think it was the Sci-Fi Channel's web, uh, news thing that there was a advertisement, uh, a fun thing, a fundraising thing for they're going to make another Iron Sky movie, but this time it's yep. with a Hollow Earth. Did you see that? Yes, I did see that with Adolf Hitler <laughs> on a T Rex, and the T Rex gives a little Hitler sign. Yeah, well, of course he is. He has little arms. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Meet the Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the, this fight between Doom and, and Red Skull is one of my great things. How do they talk to each other? Um, I, I, I have a no prize. Close circuit. Yeah, that Doctor yeah. Doom, that since the Red Skull stole the technology from Doctor Doom, that he figured there out a way yeah. to interact the radios. And they at least take the time to put the little jagged things on the word balloon so it's it's transmitted. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, something. This rocket sled, uh, this makes me think of one of the underwater 
like mini subs. It looks more like like Aquaman's little thing he was riding at one point. I remember he had like a little yeah scooter thing. It also makes me think of the the little one of the underwater attack craft that uh, James Str- Bond deploys to get James yeah. <laughs> and Agent Amasova and the Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> oh, I was thinking the Spy Who Loved Me. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, when they when they go to investigate Atlantis. Yeah. Yep. Uh, before I they was thinking tr- Thunderball too for some reason. Thunderball as well will work. I mean, again, I mean the Spy oh, Who. Lo- wah, wah, wah. Oh, <laughs> God, wait, that's Goldfinger. Sorry. <laughs> You know, football. Uh, from Russia, I flew. Oh, wait a minute. From Latveria with love, it's Doctor Doom. He's coming for you. Yeah, that's, that would be a plot. Now think about the plot of From Russia with Love. They send a pretty blonde girl to trap James Bond. Who does Reed Richards go out with? <laughs> eh? The whole thing's been a lawn game for years. You fell right into my trap for the last 50 years, Richard. <laughs> and he strikes like thunder doom. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> doom now, finger. I was going to say, uh, just like the red skull goes <laughs> in search of his dreams of gold. Now that one you have to dig deep on, listeners. <laughs> but unfortunately, there is no rocket sled like this in Moonraker. Otherwise, it would be no. free. Because <laughs> this this came out in 1977. This came out a, a, a couple of months before Moonraker. So we're <laughs> got to be fighting on the moon here. <laughs> Doom ships are forever, forever. <laughs> uh. I think I think Doom would just have nobody does it better by Carly Simon just on his pot. <laughs> Sing it, preach it, sister. Preach it. But <laughs> Doom approves of your message that no one does it better than Doom. Doom does not need Shirley Bassey. He only needs Carly. <laughs> and perhaps Sheena Easton. But <laughs> oh, I'm trying to... I, I do, I'm all kidding aside, I do love their fight here. Just to see Doom and the Red Skull tangle, it, it makes me think of there was, I don't know if it was Supervillain Team-Up, but there was one point where Doctor Doom, not Doctor Doom, where the Red Skull, the Hate Monger, and Magneto all teamed up, and then Magneto ended up throwing the Hate Monger in like a pit because the Hate Monger was was Adolf Hitler, and it's like, hey, yeah, you killed my family, thanks for that. <laughs> well, I know in Acts of Vengeance, there's a thing to where uh, Magneto betrays the Skull and buries him somewhere uh, because Maybe that's what I'm thinking of then. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That was an Axe of Vengeance, I think. Tate Monger and Axe of Vengeance? I don't know if it's Tate Monger, but I know he does something to the Red Skull because he's the Red Skull. Yeah. So, you know, he, and he's a stinking Nazi. <laughs> what, are we in the Rocketeer now? <laughs> sure, why not? We've been all over a bunch of other movies. I'll yeah, be Paul Savino. <laughs> I might be a gangster, but I'm not a stinking Nazi. <laughs> I was so disappointed they did the reaction figure of the Rocketeer, but not a Paul Sorvino mm. or or a Timothy Dalton from that movie. That'd been awesome. Um, yeah, this whole thing with the Shroud. I mean, it's like okay, just interlude so it's not just you know twelve straight pages of Doom and the Red Skull fighting. That's all I really got from this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got I got not a lot of nothing. I do love again when when Doom breaks out the the uh, the dry hole the the keyhole saw. <laughs> keyhole saw rip. 
<laughs> now, the thing with this is he calls it an ionic blade. Now, I don't think that means what he thinks it means. I, the only thing I could think of was that maybe he meant like a monofilament. Dom goes, uh, Dom. Dom. Doom goes, <laughs> Dom, Dom, hello, Dom. I'm a Dr. Hey, Dom. Yes, what is this? Eh? Chabella, I'm a Dr. Dom. You can't park here. <laughs> bada bing, bada it's, alternate, it's alternate side parking, you asshole. <laughs> Uh, doobie doom vats. <laughs> uh, I think we might just do one book tonight. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> he, he brings out, but he brings out this thing, and he calls it an ionic blade. The only thing I could think of, like I said, was a mono, like a mono blade. Those blades that are so thin, they're like yeah, one. It'll split one molecule. molecule. That would have made more sense because in a Marvel universe, ionic means you glow purple. Right. You know? Wonder Man. <laughs> Wonder Man, the original Power Man. Yeah. Grim Reaper. <laughs> All those I- Count Nefaria, all those Ionic guys. Oh, I love Count Nefaria as as as, as a villain, as a serial too. Oh wait, that's Count Chocula. Never mind. If this have some Archduke Chocula, uh, <laughs> and if I can channel Shag for a minute, yeah, and his daughter is hot. But uh, <laughs> is it wrong for me to say she's hot? No, Shag. Okay. <laughs> I, I I do love the look of terror on the Red Skull's face when Doom is closing in on him. Oh laughing. yeah, and he's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's um, well, I, I guess we could do our our uh, our grades. Yep, our regular back to the bin grading. And uh, if you want to go first as a guest, be my guest. Sure, be our be, guest. Be our guest. <laughs> oh but, yeah, uh, we went right into the same thing. <laughs> um. Okay. So uh, cover. I got to give the cover a, a, a B plus, and I'll the reason for that is it. I think it's a B cover, but it's if I see if I'm flipping through bins and I see Doctor Doom and the Red Skull fighting on the moon with the Red Skull riding a rocket sled, I'm gonna pick it up. So it does a good job of drawing me in as a as a potential buyer. You know, mm-hmm. I think art like from a technical standpoint, it's probably a B, but it just appeals to me so much. Um, as far as the interior art. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a huge, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not real super familiar with Bob Hall. It's all right. I think this would have been better maybe if it was, uh, I'm trying to think of other artists from the era, you know, who could have done this. Hell, if Dave Cockrum had done this, it would have looked, you know, like the cover. Uh, so I give it, I guess, a B minus on the art. It's, it's not, nobody looks super wonky. It's got that kind of Marvel in a late, mid to late seventies style, you know, it yeah. looks in line. And the story, I've got to give a, a C. It's just kind of an average. Let's put the Doom and Red Skull together to fight uh, story. There's nothing. There's no. There's no character here. There's no real developments. It's just a, a smash up. But overall, I got to give the book a, a solid B because I think it's kind of more than the sum of its parts. You know, mm-hmm. there's not much to it from a storyline. But I had a giant grin on my face the entire time reading this. It's just so much fun. I think I'm pretty much going to go along the lines with you on that. I pretty much call it a. I've been calling them BBC books. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like some of the panel layouts or they've got the panels drawn at weird angles instead of just straight across. Yeah. Um, but even though it does that, they, it's like they use the same angles on every time that they do that. <laughs> I mean, well, I, well, pretty much there's one little it, where they change it up once, but, uh, but, but still it does kind of break up the book a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's an average story, but it's a good showdown with with Doom and the Skull. Uh, yeah, the cover is stands out. You know, it 
it pops. It's hip. It's wow. It's now. It's got a lot of color on it too. It's got. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah, you got the explosion and like at the edges of the explosion, there's this purple stuff and like this. There's a hell. There's even a big. You know, there's the North Star in the background. Do you <laughs> see what I see? It's the... doom. It's doom. <laughs> fighting on the moon with a Nazi who should have been dead years ago. With a Nazi from years years ago. <laughs> The little Doomer boy. <laughs> I am Doom. Bah, ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Come you merry do-hoop-bots and <laughs> Oh. It's Christmas in Latveria. <laughs> when Santa Doom comes and visits all the good little children and doesn't kill them. <laughs> It's the Burgermeister. Burger. <laughs> I see Dr. Doom just killing the cold miser and the heat miser. He's <laughs> Mr. Heat. <laughs> Doom controls South Town now. <laughs> you'll make it snow and you'll like it. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I'm the heat miser. You want to go to the moon? Shut up. <laughs> I'll put you right next to the Red Skull. <laughs> Pow, bim, bam, zoom to the moon, Alice. It wasn't an astronaut, that was a TV comic, and he was only using space travel as a euphemism for beating his wife. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so, so yes, yeah. BBC book. <laughs> I'm a. Hey, I'm. I'm gonna totally break out my essential supervillain team up. I think this is this is friggin' awesome. <laughs> but since you're the resident, uh, I consider you the resident Iron Man expert. Um, and I had, I voiced this theory a few times on some of the shows. All right, so we got Age of Ultron coming out with the Avengers, yep. and at the end of Iron Man three. Tony Stark chucks his power source into the ocean. I'm telling you, that ocean, that power source comes back, and I think that's Ultron's power source. I just, could see it. Because you don't throw something like that into the ocean, and it just, you know, it's like Chekhov's power source. It's going to come back. It's got to come back and bite him in the ass. Yeah. Well, plus also they got that scene of all, it looks like all the Ultrons coming up out of the water in the trailer. I don't. I doubt it's related, but it certainly makes me think that, you know? Well, all his armor supposedly got out because all his armor took off from that underground bunker. So I don't know if that's, but but yeah, yeah. Then he blew up all the armors at the end, Iron Man three. But yeah, so I I don't know. I I I think I mean it's I mean I I I totally buy that because because I I think the idea, especially with them and having officially announced that Cap three is going to be Civil War, mm -hmm. that they're going to be pushing Tony into the the more of a. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a hero, but I do bad things because I think I'm the smartest guy in the room. Role, mm -hmm. and I think I think yeah, that he. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, putting Age of Ultron out before Ant Man says to me that yeah, Hank Pym is not going to be involved. Tony Stark's going to build Ultron. You know, the power sources, or you know, that it's going to have an arc reactor in it and whatever. Well, but okay, you've got Hank Pym in it, and it's Michael Douglas, and he's obviously older now. Something I had heard, I want to say this was on the All Connected one on HHW LOD. They okay. they they talk about the Marvel Universe and they base you know they cover the movies and 
the the Agents of Shield show when it comes out. And I think one of them postulated on there that what if, or maybe this was on the regular HHW show, what if the AI Jarvis robot or like the one that's dummy, yeah, is becomes Ultron in in some way. See, or, I can see that because they're talk because Paul Bettany who played Jarvis is playing the vision. Right. And so you could say, Oh, okay, well this version of the AI became corrupt. So I went back and got an older version of the, of the Jarvis AI and turned it into the vision. Now, what if Hank Pym helped Tony Stark develop the AI? That would explain why it got all screwed up. Cause Hank Pym's a screw up. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> we see, we know that Hank Pym is older. Yeah. And, I can. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe this is something that Tony Stark took and developed from an AI he had developed. I, I, I don't know. I can just, see that. Just spitball, and who knows? We'll we'll we'll, we'll know in a couple months. Yeah, but, hard to but, believe that's only a couple of months. Yeah, I know, I know. It's it's got to it's. You see, because I'm 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 pretty hard on avoiding spoilers. You know. Oh yeah, I'm. I just watched the trailer. I'm trying not to yeah. watch spoilers. And and even then, like for give me an example for uh for Godzilla, for legendary Godzilla, I watched the first. I watched the teaser and then the first trailer, and I wouldn't even watch any other later trailers. That was it. I tried to go in with as little information as possible. Now, I'm 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 not quite as hardcore with the Marvel movies because, you know, I mean I I know a lot of the I'm just being a comic fan, you know some of this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like Ultron, he's a robot. <gasps> you know, but uh <laughs> that, that that's like the people I work with. They they know I'm the guy who's like, So tell me about this comic movie coming out. It's like, oh okay. Well oh, that happens at work too for me. I I get uh although there's there's another guy there that's pretty good. But he'll walk up up to me and he'll start to say stuff and I'll and I'll just go oh no no that's what this is and this is what this is going to be and this is this is going to happen and, that, and he's like man you you out geek me by by far I'm like well thank you I think yeah. <laughs> hey my my wife has heard enough of my ramblings over the years that she managed to answer some of those questions when she was working at the same place as me <laughs> when Rise of the Silver Surfer was coming out someone said well who's the Silver Surfer she's like oh I know this <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just pick things up from osmosis. Yeah, but uh, no. So, so I'm just I'm just excited about it. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, just as, as a big an Iron Man fan as I am, the fact that we have three freaking awesome Iron Man feature films that alone is like, you know, you can do whatever you want now. I'm I'm a I'm a pig and slop here, mm-hmm. you know, and, and 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 the fact that maybe possibly we might actually get the real Mandarin again, pig and slop. So yeah, I still haven't seen that that uh, that short fi- film. Yeah. Uh, Hail, Hail to the King. King. Yeah, I I like the old style ma- Mandarin with the actual ten rings on his fingers. Right. From from like back in like the 180, 170 issues when right, I, yeah. I think that's when Rudy was fighting him, if I remember correctly. Um, from Iron Man one eighty or Avengers one eighty. Iron Man. He, well, he got it like back in the one sixties, didn't he? I'm trying to remember. Or one. Because he, he, Tony was still in the armor, armor in 150, because that's with Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around then, yeah. Right before 200. Yeah, that was Rhodey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, because Tony's... 200's when Tony comes, comes back, back to the Silver Centurion. Centurion. Yeah. yeah. Or that's right. Scarlet Centurion. Sorry, Scarlet Centurion's a villain no. in um, the other timeline. Yes. In not even, uh, that's what, uh, Squadron Supreme villain. Yep. But, uh, My head's well, swimming. I mean, that, I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, you know, you could even go back to. A lot later than that, during the when uh, Tony and Daniel Nauf were writing Iron Man, right before uh, Matt Fraction, they launched Matt Fraction's Invincible Iron Man when they brought the Mandarin back 
in in the 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 volume four of Iron Man. Was that when the rings are bonded to his spine? Yes, that is so because they cut his hands off. Yeah, but then they when they go, but don't they all get ripped out? Doesn't Tony like go like right yeah. right, right up his back with something and yep, just rips them out. all out yeah. of his spine? Yeesh. That's because and then they do the thing in, with Karen Gellin in the one that just ended, where the where the rings had developed sentience and went and picked new masters. Oh, I see. I'm I'm way out of Iron Man. I'm so far behind on that. I really enjoyed Karen Gellin's work on on Iron Man. It was it was it was different. It had a different tone to it, and it did some, but it did some oddball things and got him out of his comfort zone. And the stuff with the mandarins was pretty. It, it was the uh, I think it was called Reign of the Mandarins or something like that, or Rise of the Mandarins, hmm. where each of the rings went and picked someone who fit their personality. Ah. And so and so one of them chose Malekith. Oh, and really? One chose, yeah, one of them chose the Mole Man. And you know, just all the they chose all these different people to 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 wear them because they could use use them to drive their agenda, kind of thing. Because the rings had their own agenda. Well, no, aren't aren't the rings based on the same or with the same aliens or the same technology as Fin Fang Foom? Makulians, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's pretty, it pretty cool. They and they had the thing where they were building a new city for Mandarin City, which was from that track. <laughs> Sorry, I just take me down to the Mandarin city where the rings are gold and the real and pretty. Take me home, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, no, man, where the Mandarin's green and the rings up because Mandarin was green on the Iron Man cartoon show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't need your civil war. <laughs> I don't need civil war, Marvel. Please, I'd, I'd much rather have. You know, I don't know, uh, Captain America fighting Flag Smasher in Captain America Three than. Uh, Civil War. As long as Flag Smasher has his team, ultimatum. Ultimatum, yeah, I remember that. Underground, liberated, totally integrated, mobile army to unite mankind. I'm glad you remember that, because I don't. <laughs> I memorized that back in high school. It's like, oh, this is too cool. I got to memorize it. I remember them being more in Captain America than I do Iron Man, but... but... They were. They, they. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't ever think Flag Smasher fought Iron Didn't Man. Did Flag Smasher get smoked by uh, Scourge? Yes, and he came back. He got better. It's just like the Melter. Mm. I think the Melter came back for a little while anyway. Mm. Now, probably the 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 second run of comics I have the most of is Iron Man. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking next time that there's a sale at, at uh, Yancey that I'll probably, now that I've pretty much plugged up as many Avenger holes as I am on the cheap. That... Oh, my. <laughs> Uh, I'll start on the Iron Man holes. Oh my! <laughs> you see, again with Iron Man, I, I've got a lot of it in Essential, mm-hmm. but I do have. I think my earliest issue. Well, I do have two issues of Tales of Suspense. My earliest one is Tales of Suspense '69, which is the first appearance. '69, '69, <laughs> dude. Woo! God, we're so juvenile. <laughs> but uh, so I've got I've got that one. I've got like I think it's like '80 or '81 or something. Another Tales of Suspense. I picked up. There, I mean, they're they're whipped to shit. You know, I got them out of yeah. a two dollar bin. '69 actually has the Captain America logo cut out of the cover. Wow. But since I'm buying it for the Iron Man stuff, that's fine, you know. Yeah. And again, it's first. I mean, Titanium Man's my favorite shellhead bad guy, so it's like I gotta buy this, you know. And if I ever meet Stan Lee or Don Heck, I'll have them autograph it, you know. See, now, for the longest time when I was a youngin', I never re- realized that, like, I always thought Iron Man and certain certain comics and characters 
began in like Iron Man number one. I didn't know right. anything about the, the the other stuff, so I have no tales of suspense or, or any to tales of astonish anything like that. All all my books basically start you know with the with 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 the character or the team run. Right. So you know that's something that if I ever that that I'll. I'll look for eventually i guess but, yeah see, I'm, i'll probably never i, I want to do that at least with with iron man volume one i'll probably never be able to do that with tales of suspense yeah because, i'm probably not even gonna be even yeah because i'm looking at the cover gallery now and the earliest one i have from iron man volume one where is it let me see i think the earliest one i have is 19 and then the next one i have is 42 and then, uh, then I've got a lot of them from about 60, 70 up through, I, I mean, I've got a big run there uh, with no gaps, but I'm not sure. I have no idea where I'm at the rest of the way with it. If I could find, I'd, I'd recognize the cover as soon as I saw it. It's the one with, he's still going out with, uh, with what's her name, Marianne Rogers. And she, it's, it's the guy from the, the, like the, the microverse or something. He's got a big ax. Where is it? Oh, this is driving me nuts. Crazy Marianne Rogers, freaking psychopath. Um, no, no, I can't find it. But from like the um, the fifties on, I've got them. I, I've got them all. You know, I think like uh, my first like forty. I think from like forty five on, I've got them all in singles. Forty five is the one with the with the, where the, the kids are throwing the bottles and stuff at them on the cover. Hmm. You know, where he says he wants to attack, but he can't. It's right before he fights the guardsmen. Oh, okay. Where everybody's protesting uh, Stark Industries. All right. So from there on, I've got them all as singles. But uh, And I've got a couple I've got to replace. I've got reprints of that I need to replace. But it's like, oh, you know, that's not so many. You know, maybe, you know, 30, you know, 39, 40 issues or so. I could do that. I could swing that, you know. But, you know, Tales of Suspense, it's like, first off, he was in the book for so long. And those books are so old at this point. And you got to compete with the Captain America stuff, too. So <laughs> it probably ain't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> not oh. not with my wife. She's... Oh, yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm surprised I can sneak... That's what they asked me last episode. They said, how are you getting these books in your house? I said, I just kind of walk in real quick and go straight to the garage and throw them in the garage. And nobody <laughs> really sees me. I wait till she's upstairs putting the kids to bed. Oh, yeah. Well, there was one night where uh, one time uh, when I w went back and I got I got like 85 issues at a buck a piece. So I had like two big, massive bags. So I left one. I, I got out of the car, I walked over my work van. I put one of the bags in the work van and then walked inside. Yeah, look what I got. Yeah. And then I uh, walked w went out later that night after we went to bed, snuck in with my other bag of comics. Some men sneak around to have affairs. <laughs> Sneaking in with the comics. There's another woman. Is no, honest. I swear, it's just comic books. <laughs> the other woman. It's the Black Widow. It's the Black Widow. The Wasp. The Scarlet Witch. <laughs> it's a whole team of women. <laughs> that whole weird thing with Ms. Marvel getting knocked up. <laughs> <laughs> with yeah, oh yeah, with uh, Marcus's yeah, that whole thing. Uh, I did. I heard something the other day that was funny. It's like, do uh, you know when they do Avengers JLA? Do Power Girl and Ms. Marvel like compare notes about how badly they got screwed over? <laughs> oh, they did that to you. Oh, well, listen to this. Check this out, sister. Oh my God, girl, damn. <laughs> Snap the finger. Mm -mm. But you know, two uh, two good-looking blondes. They probably hate each other. 
but not tell each other, you know, just snipe about each other behind their backs. Either that or they're so stupid. No. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that Karen Starr is a total B-I-T-C-A. <laughs> it's like that Carol Danvers is a see you next Tuesday if I ever met one. <laughs> oh, I learned the hard way. That's a word you don't want to use. I used that again. Uh, back in high school, I said that to somebody. A, well, a woman, a girl. <laughs> I was going to say, and, and she man, didn't talk to me for like a year. I was going to say, your friend's mom was pissed, dude. I, t- <laughs> I don't even know why I said it. I, I well, never said that again. To, no, they don't like that one. They, <laughs> that is, uh, that's a big, that's a no no. That's a boo boo. <laughs> hey, boo boo. Hey, boo boo. <laughs> Hi, well, we've, uh, I think we've kind of beat this one issue to death and are all our, preamble and postamble and ramblings i think i'm gonna call this show <laughs> i did have something prepared though <laughs> but if we go into that we'll be going on for at least another hour or so so maybe we'll save that for the next time we get together on a quick one-off show yeah um good. so uh just just to be a teaser i was gonna i was gonna read the uh i was actually gonna read the alan moore uh batman story called the gun so if anybody wants wants to read ahead on that, that came out of a Batman UK annual from 1985. I was mistaken earlier when I told you it was 1995. It was 85, <laughs> actually. I'm like, duh, idiot. Well, I mean, I said the cover date of Supervillain Team-Up was 1997. <laughs> well, that's true. I was only 10 years off. You were uh, 20. <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I was reading comics in 97. I really don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll save that for next time. Uh, so where can we... Uh, I guess we can find you on the Two True Freaks network. Yep, you can uh, always find me on uh, Two True Freaks. Uh, my main show is Earth Destruction Directive, which is my Japanese giant monster show. And uh, I also do, along with Chris Honeywell, the hair metal hero, and Sean Engel, the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror. Uh, we are currently uh, coming up soon on that. We'll be continuing our coverage of Friday the 13th, but also we'll be starting a new series, so keep your ears peeled for that one. Uh, I keep threatening to be on Who True Freaks. Uh, whenever we do Vengeance on Varos, I'm totally going to be there. Uh, I don't know much about Doctor Who, but uh, I know that I've liked that one, and so I've watched a lot of Colin Baker, so apparently that makes me a weirdo, as if having a show about giant monsters isn't already enough of that. Um, and you can always uh, find me at my uh, sometimes updated Hawkman blog, which is beingcarterhall.blogspot.com. All righty. Well, I guess... Uh... We're going to wrap it up, and we'll see you guys next time. Night, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks podcast group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of DeManzocore of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Take a moment to stop by and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.